It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Friday, November 27th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Smith versus Clark, which will take place on Saturday, November 28th at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be back with uh, everybody here. And um, although it wouldn't have uh, materially changed what I was going to do today for this uh, preview show, uh, it is kind of good that we decided to do it on a uh, Friday and not a Thursday because uh, if you didn't hear the news uh, or catch the fact that this is uh, Fight Night Smith versus Clark, uh, obviously, the only fight that mattered uh, was the main event, and that uh, uh, was officially called off earlier this morning between uh, Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis. Uh, so that's a, a rather big blow to a uh, well, and not 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 a stacked card. We'll put it that way. We'll put it in in a nice way. And uh, again, my disclaimer for every single fight card is uh, you know typically the UFC puts on good good fights even if they're not exactly known commodities <clears throat> and uh, I stand by that I really do uh, but holy smokes like this fight card m- might be the, the the straw that broke ca- the camel's back here because uh, man <laughs> there are not a lot of good fighters on this card uh, but we'll we'll power our way through here um, yeah just a little housekeeping uh, before we uh, dive deep, real deep into this one, I have a lot of hot sports takes about uh, the likes of uh, Anderson Dos Santos and uh, Gina Mazzani and, and the like. Um, but obviously tomorrow is the, uh, the, the um, finale. I don't know why that word was escaping me. Uh, the finale of the November World Grand Prix for the main card showdown. Uh, so that'll be very fun, very interesting, uh, because it's, well, as of right now, it's a four-fight main card, so that's always interesting, uh, because uh, gotta make correct picks when there's only four-fight cards, because uh, if you fuck up even a little bit, even if you go down one point in the first round, uh, that's, well... To borrow a line from John Anik, it's you know it's not gonna, it's not going to take a Herculean effort to overcome that, but um, I don't know. Points will come at a premium, no doubt, especially with uh, lesser-known fighters, and you know maybe some people do some research, maybe they don't. Uh, we, we obviously know the strategy that Reagan Hooverman employs when it comes to picking uh, fights, so uh, <coughs> I think this one might favor him just from that standpoint. Obviously, it's uh, the Fireman and uh, the Hound Dog there in the uh, main event for the gold medal uh, match. And then third place is uh, your boy and uh, Jordan. Uh, although, I mean, he's, he's a passive participant because, uh, you know, he's, he's going to get smoked on, uh, on Saturday. And then, uh, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't technically filled out the, uh, the prelims yet, so I don't know. Some combination of... Uh, Pip and Bree and 
I don't know, maybe even Captain. Maybe even Captain. I don't know. We, we still got to figure some things out here, but uh, probably not five matches like we had last week. I think that might be a one-time thing, at least at least for now. Um, but yeah, there's, there's always big stuff uh, going on there. Um, we also uh, debuted our main card showdown rankings just for fun. Uh, not very scientific, um, but just something something interesting to, to pay attention to. Um, yeah, I think that's all we had to get to here, so uh, we can dive rather deep into this uh, exciting fight card here. Um, so we'll start here uh, in the... Well, it's a catchweight, actually, of 140 pounds between Nate Maness and Luke Sanders. Uh, or maybe Nate Manus. I don't really know. That's just an unfortunate uh, last name. I'm going to go with the, uh, the better-sounding last name. Uh, Maness is 12-1. Uh, and one. Sanders is 13-3. and three. Uh, We look at the odds coming from... Oh, wow, I have my uh, pick of the litter here. I have about 10 to choose from. You know, we'll, we'll go Bovada. I like Bovada. Uh, they'll have uh, Luke Sanders as the minus 155 favorite. Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't have a whole lot to say on uh, some of these early ones. Uh, and that's that's usually, usually the same even for pay-per-views, but certainly on post-pay-per-view rebound contractually obligated fight cards that uh that uh you know some big fights have fallen off of uh boy your guess is as good as mine uh now Maness he made his debut back in August so I do remember watching him fight uh I did not watch it closely but he did uh defeat the undefeated Johnny Munoz Jr. by a unanimous decision (coughs) excuse me and uh, Luke Sanders, uh, most notably, uh, he beat uh, Hennen Barrow, which would sound very impressive if this was 2013 or 2014. Uh, but he beat him in February of 2019. So it's been, uh, well, coming up on two years since he's fought. But uh, boy, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a very notable win for MMA fans back in the day. Uh, yeah, again, big name. I don't know what that means. I, I suppose I'll go Luke Sanders just because I'll side on uh, uh, on uh, on the favorite here. Absolutely no reason other than, well, you beat Hennon Barrow, so that's mildly interesting. All right, moving on here. We have a flyweight fight here between Sue... Good God. Sue Madirji. We'll just call him Sue. Uh, and uh, Malcolm Gordon, Sue is uh, 12 and four. Gordon is also 12 and four. Uh, the Bovada odds have Sue as the minus 330 favorite. Um, I know I will be watching this fight uh, closely because it is at uh, it is at flyweight. So I mean, fuck, I mean with flyweight, honestly, you win your UFC debut, you're probably in the rankings. <laughs> so I mean, uh, you know, if, if Sue can win this one, he already beat Andre Sukumtat. Uh, so I don't know if he can if he can rack up a, a two fight winning streak. Ah, might just put him in the rankings because I f- I forget the guy's name. I want to say it's like Tagir Ulan Bekov, who's number fifteen. Yep, we just put him at number fifteen following uh, last pay per view. Yeah, couldn't tell you a damn thing about Tagir Ulan. I'm, actually, I'm pretty sure I misspelled it on the website. To, to be quite frank, but uh, 
Yeah, that is not the uh, deepest division I've ever seen. So uh, it, if not for that reason, uh, it, this is a mildly interesting fight here. Uh, and uh, Malcolm Gordon, uh, he's, he's kind of up there. Now, these are these are two pretty fa- uh, pretty tall, excuse me, uh, flyweights. So uh, Sue is 5'8", and uh, Gordon is 5'7". Uh, so that's interesting. He's got a 70-inch reach, which... Man, I feel like that's the same reach as like Paul Felder or something. Like, that's not an uncommon reach for like featherweights. Uh, well, obviously, 5'7 is not an uncommon height for, for featherweight either. Uh, but he made his debut on. Uh... Oh, let's see. Well, I have it in front of me somewhere. But I, wa- I want to say it was the rematch between Figueredo and Benavidez. Because um, he made his debut on Fight Island. Uh, he lost that one, got choked out by Amir Al-Bazi. Um, I'll, again, I'll side with Sue. He's the favorite. I, I remember watching Gordon. Don't remember a whole lot. Uh, and uh, obviously he got choked out quickly, so uh, nothing really stands out to me uh, for him. So, I don't know. And the cool thing he had going for him was was the height. Well, you're the shorter fighter in this one, so uh, unfortunate. All right, moving on here in the featherweight division, we have a fight here between Kai Kamaka the third and Jonathan Pierce. Kamaka is eight and two. Pierce is nine and four. Uh, let's see here. We have the Bovada odds. They will put Kai Kamaka as the minus three fifteen favorite. Um, yeah, again. Two guys young in their UFC career. Um, so Kamaka made his debut at uh, 252, uh, the trilogy fight there between uh, Miocic and Cormier. Uh, won a uni- unanimous decision victory over Tony Kelly. Um, and I remember being pretty pretty impressed with that fight. He won it pretty thoroughly. And then you look at, at Tony Kelly. I think he came in with like some awful record into the UFC, like very inexperienced record-wise. And then he had that win over uh, Ali Alkaisi. So, again, Alkaisi's a, a scrappy guy. Uh, and, 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 again, not to make it seem like uh, uh, Kelly's a world beater, but, you know, he does have a pretty dominant, dominant victory, uh, exciting victory in the UFC. So it's not like Kamaka just beat some fucking bum. Uh, you know, he, he beat a guy who at least made a ripple in the UFC, obviously very early. Um, yeah, 25 years old. Uh, and uh, Jonathan Pierce, he is from the Contender Series. Uh, got a cool nickname, JSP. It's pretty cool. I mean, doesn't have a win in the UFC, so, uh, you know, tough to call yourself uh, JSP. Essentially, you know, modeling your nickname off of GSP and uh, you're 0-1 in the UFC. Um, but it might have been too much too soon. So he took on uh, Joe Lozon in October of 2019. So, um and that was a pretty bad, pretty quick uh, loss for him. So I kind of like the extended time off of 13 months. I don't know what he needed to, to fix, but uh, I do like that he didn't just jump back in. Hopefully he tried to, to fix whatever because he's still relatively young in the game. 28 is, you know, you, you can work with that. Um, and again, like, it, 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 it's I'm of two minds of it because Joe Lozon, you look at how his career has gone like the last five years, real bad, really bad. But obviously a guy with so much experience, so much time in the octagon, uh, obviously a, a, a talented fighter. And, uh, you know, to lose to a, a, a veteran like that, 
eh, you know, things happen, especially in, in your UFC debut. I mean, like I always say, plenty of good fighters lose their uh, their debut. So we'll see if he can rebound here. I, I would probably favor Kamaka to, to win this one. And uh, thankfully, it's not on the main card, so I don't have to make a prediction on uh, how it's going to get done because fuck me. Fuck if I know how that one's going to finish. Uh, let's see here. Uh, moving on. And that's another thing, too, by the way. Uh, there are th- two ranked fighters on this card. Anthony Smith and, by the loosest definition possible, Norma Dumont is ranked. Because, just because for shits and giggles, we rank every female at, at featherweight because there's like four of them. So, technically, technically, there's two ranked fighters. Um... Yeah, I, I want to get to some of the canceled fights here. I probably should have started off with this, to be honest. Uh, that would have made more uh, more sense. Um, but, yeah, I, no time like the present here. So, um, obviously, like we said, Curtis Blades uh, and, and Derek Lewis is off. They're trying to rebook that, I, I want to say, for some time in December. Uh, and, and, and that's unfortunate, too, because, uh, like I've been saying, really since, really since the trilogy fight heavyweight the heavyweight rankings are so stratified everybody has their place in the top five like so we have Nganu at number one I don't see how anybody couldn't and then Blades at two Rosenstrike Lewis Overeem they are all so firmly entrenched that I don't think you could make an argument that that Blades should be higher than Nganu I don't think you could even make an argument that Rosenstrike should be ranked higher than Blades I don't think you could make an argument that Lewis could be ranked higher than Rosenstrike so everybody has their spot and it's so firmly entrenched and uh, obviously the, the fight to make is is Miocic and Nganu um, but th- this this would kind of break the logjam a little bit so the winner of this fight is probably has next for the next title shot you know after Nganu gets his and it's unfortunate we're, we're not seeing it. Would have been a great fight. Would have been a dominant victory for Curtis Blades. And I, I really feel that. That is stylistically such an awful matchup for Derek Lewis. Um, he could win. I mean, he could win it. He could win it. Because, listen, the two times that Curtis Blades has lost have been to strikers. <laughs> Both of them have been to Nganu, so it's, you know, a common culprit. But just getting knocked out in, like, under a minute in both of those fights. So if Curtis Blades can't grab you... Uh, within the first minute, uh, you might knock him out. Uh, but but again, I mean, that's a high-level example for those two losses. So uh, I don't think Lewis is on the level of an Nganu, but he's still obviously, uh, you know, up there and, and, and obviously has the power to knock out anybody. Uh, and, and you could make a case for Lewis, like, oh, okay, even if you're lo- even if he gets grapple-fucked by Curtis Blades, well, we saw him knock out Volkov in the last 10 seconds, so he could knock out Blades in the fifth round yeah, he, he could. He could. You, you know what I mean? The, the the apex could also have a meteor fall through, you know, its fucking ceiling. You know, it's it's possible. But, uh, you know, that I, I really feel it would have been a dominant victory for Blades. His, his shot at the title, in my mind, is solidified, but it's another paycheck and, uh, uh, you know, just kind of something you have to do when the division's on hold for two years. Uh, so, uh, unfortunate we don't see that one. Uh, we also had a canceled fight here because uh, Clark moved up to the main event with uh, Shamil Gamzatov. I could do without seeing that fight. Uh, I think that's a far more appropriate fight for Devin Clark uh, to, to fight a guy like Gamzatov, and that's 
also a tough one too because he's undefeated. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Could be the next, uh, you know, Ankalaev in the division. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see with uh, with that. And then we had, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Jonathan Pierce was originally supposed to fight Sean Woodson. Uh, that would have been interesting. I'm always fascinated by uh, Sean Woodson, uh, six foot three, no, six foot two, uh, 79 inch reach, and I think so. This one was supposed to be at at, um, at lightweight, which I think is more appropriate. But I believe he was fighting at featherweight, which is just fucking ridiculous. So it's kind of a freak show fight. I kind of I kind of like it. I, I don't think I don't think being six two and 145 pounds is uh, conducive to having uh replicatable success in the ufc certainly at the highest level you really don't see like freak shows doing things like that um but it's interesting it's interesting um and then we had a fight here between uh albazi and uh zumagulov i don't i know nothing about that so uh we'll we'll get back on with uh uh we'll get back on the track here with uh, the preview uh, alrighty, moving on here to a women's flyweight fight here between Rachel Ostovich and Gina Mazzani. Uh, we look at the odds here. They have Mazzani as the minus 205 favorite. Um, boy, I, I really have nothing to say about this. Two fighters who absolutely should not be in the UFC uh, probably should go to Invicta and, and work on their craft. Uh, Ostovich, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to say anything because I don't even want to risk getting in trouble. Um, but uh, certainly not, uh, not uh, a fighter who belongs in the UFC right now. I don't discount the fact that people can get better. Um, but yeah, doesn't have a win in the UFC. <laughs> Four and five. Re- I mean, I'm not even going to get into it, but uh, have nothing to say about that. And uh, Gina Mazzana, six and four. That's also not uh, not too stellar of a record there. Um, also, <laughs> only has one win in the UFC. Uh, let's see here, four losses in the UFC. So one win and four losses. And the one win was over uh, Yanan Wu, uh, who kind of fizzled out of the UFC. So, uh, yeah, I'll go Mazzani because she's a favorite, and I'm not going to say anything because. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be mean. All right, moving on here to the bantamweight division here, still on the prelims. Uh, a fight here between Martin Day and Anderson Dos Santos. Martin Day is 8-4. and four. Dos Santos is 20-8. and eight. Uh, We look at the odds here uh, from Bovada. They'll have Day as the minus 170 favorite. Uh, Martin Day, in his uh, last outing, got uh, knocked out pretty darn bad by Davey Grant. Uh, that was uh, at the uh, UFC 251 pay-per-view, f- uh, first time on uh, Fight Island. Uh, he got knocked out real bad, really bad. And that was a pretty good uh, fight from what I can remember, scrappy back and forth. Uh, just kind of two, I don't want to say brawlers, but, uh, you know, lack of, a better, lack of a better term, two brawlers. And, uh, yeah, he, he does not have a win in the UFC, so if he loses this one, he is absolutely getting cut, especially with all the new fighters that have been signed. Uh, I, I, have no day, I have no doubt he'll be cut. Um, he does have a win over Brady Huang, uh, who got that crazy knockout on the Contender Series. So he, he has beaten 
well, that's the only fighter I can say that for. But it is interesting that Huang's on there. So, you know, certainly a capable fighter. I mean, that's that's a notable win. Um, but, uh, yeah, you look at uh, Anderson Dos Santos, not Anderson Silva, not Junior Dos Santos, Anderson Dos Santos. Uh, he is uh, 35 years old. Uh, that is a bit concerning, especially at bantamweight. And especially for a guy on a uh, two-fight losing streak, especially considering who he's lost to, Nad Naramani and uh, Andre Ewell. Uh, he is also looking for his first win in the UFC. Uh, I'm going to go Martin Day. I, I, I like his performance, even though he got knocked out in his last fight. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and try to break down techniques because that's certainly out of my league but maybe it's something he, he could have fixed maybe there was you know a hole in his game that he that he patched in the striking uh, but I, I like the effort I like the performance and you know on, on the other side I just see an aging an aging guy on on a losing streak against very low level competition in the UFC uh, probably not a recipe for uh, success so yeah we'll go uh, Martin Day and fuck, I'll say knockout. I'll say he knocks him out. I mean, he's on the two-fight losing streak. They're both unanimous decision decision losses. Um, but again, I don't know. If he comes out uh, as furious as he did before, might get the finish. All right, moving on here to the prelim headliner, at least for now. Hopefully, Tapology's not pulling a fast one on me here because you never know. I thought I had the order correct like a couple of weeks ago for that one fight card that had a bunch of shit change, uh, and it turns out I got it completely wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, for now, I believe this will be the prelim headliner. It's a bantamweight fight here between Ashley Evans-Smith and Norma Dumont. Uh, Evans-Smith is 6-4, and four. Dumont is 4-1. and one. Uh, We'll look at the Bovada odds here. They'll have uh, Ashley Evans-Smith as the minus 140 favorite. Uh, yeah, again, low-level 135 fighters here. Uh, Evan Smith, someone who's been in the UFC for uh, quite a while, uh, 33 years old, uh, 5'8", so got got good height on her. Uh, yeah, been in the UFC since uh, UFC 181. Um, but again, much like the other female fighters on this card, someone who uh, has a uh, subpar UFC record. I believe she is uh, three and four in the UFC. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about that. Knocked out Fallon Fox uh, back in 2013, which is amazing. Uh, I don't know how that one was allowed. Um and then Norma Dumont, I, I'm going to double check here with our rankings. I, I think we have her ranked at featherweight. Uh, we do. She's the number three ranked w- women's featherweight uh, out of four. Well, I guess five if you count the champion. But uh, she, she's number three, so she is a ranked fighter. That's impressive. Already in, already in the top five. Uh, but she's moving down to bantamweight here, so that's a little irrelevant. Uh, so one of two ranked fighters uh, on this card. And, uh, yeah, 30 years old. Um, again, not going to pretend to know a whole lot about her, but it is interesting that she's going down from 145 to 135. Um, I, I guess we'll just have to see how that uh, affects her, her weight cut. I assume she made weight because I didn't hear anything about her missing weight or anybody missing weight. Um, but it but it is interesting because you'd have to you'd have to think that there's a reason she was fighting at 145, especially considering there's basically nobody to fight up there. You know what I mean? There's like two other fighters to fight. 
because uh, you're not going to get a, a crack at the, at the champ. You're probably not going to get a crack at, at Megan Anderson, fucking Megan Anderson. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess that's notable, but that's the only notable thing that I, I could say uh, about it. Obviously got knocked out by uh, Megan Anderson. Alrighty, and I have nothing to say about Megan Anderson because I, I don't want uh, simps to get mad at me. Um, boy, this is, a, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with Norma Dumont, and um, I, I, I might and probably will change that for the main card showdown, but I don't know. I'm just going to side with the upside here. Uh, it, it would be very easy and probably logical to go with uh, Evan Smith just because, well, she's well, I don't want to say a proven commodity, but, you know, been in the UFC for six years, so, you know, even though she's lost some fights, still still hanging around there, uh, you figure there's got to be a reason that they're keeping her around, but uh, I don't know, I, I just feel, I, I feel optimistic, let's go with uh, the younger fighter, let's go with the, uh, the unknown fighter in uh, Norma Dumont. All right, moving on here to the main card opener. It's a featherweight fight here between Bill Algio and Spike Carlisle. Uh, Algio is uh, 13 and 5. Spike Carlisle is 9 and 2. Uh, we'll look at the odds here. They'll have uh, Bill Algio as the no, excuse me, uh, Spike Carlisle as the minus 185 favorite. This is going to be a fun fight. This is, this is probably fight of the night right here. Because all the other... There, there's a couple of... Well, there's one other fight that I'm really eyeing on that obviously we haven't hit yet um, as a potential fight of the night. But uh, I, this one will be good uh, I, for as, as long as it lasts. Uh, there are some prop odds here. I want to see... I want to see what the odds are here for a first round knockout for Carlisle. Let's see here. God, I wish I could read odds. I don't know what the fuck that means. I, I think the odds are pretty high, all things considered, that Spike Carlisle gets a first round knockout. Uh, but I, I can't read odds. I don't know what the fuck the, those mean. Um, but yeah, Spike, Kyle, Spike Carlisle is a fucking maniac one of my favorite fighters and I, I think he's only had two fights in the UFC so that's kind of saying a lot because uh, it's so quick but one of my favorite fighters just a fucking nut bar 27 years old uh, the alpha ginger is his nickname that's a pretty good nickname uh, he did lose his last fight to uh, Billy Quarantillo um, Quar Quarantillo is a, a tough guy he's a good fighter uh, and, and he even goes back with the UFC. Obviously, uh, he, he didn't make it on this and had to, you know, spend some time out of the UFC. But he was he was on the uh, the Ultimate Fighter, uh, McGregor versus Faber. He was on Team Faber. Uh, talented guy. I, I think Carlisle, if they ever fight again, would could probably beat Billy Q. It's just, and this is part of the well, this is almost entirely the appeal of Spike Carlisle. Um, but he's a marauder. He does not care about his gas tank. He is going to go balls to the wall uh, just until until whenever. I don't know. Until he gets finished. Until, you know, the, the final bell. Even if he's just gassed beyond belief. So it's, it's interesting because, I mean, the, the chances he knocks out Bill Algio in like 60 seconds are uh, pretty high because he... 
I, I've honestly never really seen anything like it. It's it's like it's like the slugfest in the final like ten seconds between Max Holloway and uh, Ricardo Lamas, except it's just one guy and he's coming towards you, and, and, and it's just that until he gets winded. It, it's fucking crazy. Um, so I am gonna go with Spike Carlisle on this one. Has a very very vicious knockout of uh, Elon Cruz um, in, in his UFC debut, um, and uh, Bill Algio he is coming off of a loss to Ricardo Lamas, uh, funnily enough, but that that was a close fight. You know I'll pull up uh, MMA decisions here because I again I, I'm I'm trying to remember because it was back in August and I, I don't have the greatest memory on fucking undercard fights can't remember every single one of them um but but that was that was a good good fight Lamas really pulled away uh towards the end of that fight if I if I remember correctly uh we'll pull up uh, MMA decisions here and uh yeah everybody has Lamas winning the fight most have it 29 27 three have it 29 28 and four have it uh, 28 28 draw um from what I can remember, I probably would have scored it 29-28. Um, because, like I said, I think Lamas pulled away in that fight. But it, it was it was a good fight. It was a good performance. And that one was on uh, uh, short notice, I want to say. Uh, or maybe technically not short notice, as in like a replacement fight. But uh, I, I don't think he had a whole lot of time to train for that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just... I can't, I can't go against my boy, Spike Carlisle. I mean, he's going to... What the fuck did he say? He's gonna 86 that 666 or whatever the fuck he was he was saying. Uh, so I, I believe him. I believe him. All right, moving on here. Still on the uh, the main card. I guess this is the featured bout. Uh, it's a welterweight fight here between my, uh, Miguel Baeza and Takashi Sato. Uh, we'll look at the odds here. They will have uh, Miguel Baeza. As the minus 185 favorite. Uh, and, and this should be an underrated fight. I think this will probably be one of the better fights on this card. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately for them, and, and, and again, you hope that they make the most of this opportunity. Like, you hope whoever wins, wins so dominantly or gets such a great finish that, like, wow, everybody who tuned in knows that guy. They weren't supposed to be in that spot, but wow, they made the most of it. Um, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to sit here on fucking Monday and go, "Wow, that was a fucking waste of a of a featured bout." Um, but I, I think this will be a good one. And uh, you know, it's more of a prelim opener on a on a good fight card. But uh, I think it'll be a fun one. So Miguel Baeza, nine and zero. He's coming off of a, a knockout of Matt Brown. Uh, so he's he's already two and zero in the UFC. Really, two and a half and all, if you count uh, the Contender Series, which I don't really know how to count it. I, I don't think it technically counts as a UFC win, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the guys you would face on the Contender Series are pretty much just short-notice guys on a regular UFC fight card, so I mean, it, it kind of is UFC competition. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I believe he, he got hurt early on in that fight with uh, Matt Brown, but... Uh, pulled it out, which is impressive because Matt Brown is obviously a veteran, been doing this for a very, very long time. So the fact that it was Miguel Baeza who had the composure and the wherewithal as a young fighter to, you know, get hurt early and not, you know, fucking flip shit or, or whatever, you know, that's that's impressive. Um, 
and the fact that he knocked out Matt Brown, you know, I'm not a big fan of Matt Brown, so I guess you, you probably could guess how I feel about him getting knocked out. Uh, and then Takashi Sato, I mean, that's that's an underrated, uh, tough test. Uh, you know, been in the UFC since uh, April of 2019. Uh, he's 2-1, and, and not not a name that anybody's going to know, but nonetheless, uh, a, a tough, a tough uh, opponent. So he knocked out Ben Saunders, uh, lost to uh, Bilal Muhammad, uh, which, again, talk about another fighter who's really good that nobody fucking cares about, nobody fucking knows about, which is a shame because, uh, fuck, who did he just fight? Not just fight, probably like a year or, you know, six months ago. Uh, yeah, Lyman Good, holy shit, that was such a good fight. So it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. But we have him ranked. So I don't, I don't think the UFC has Bilal Muhammad ranked, but I, I, I want to say we do. Yeah, we have him at 13. So we are, we are big Bilal Muhammad respecters. Okay, we remember the name around here. Believe, believe you me, we, we remember the name. Um, but yeah, lost to him. No shame in that. And then had a 48 second knockout against Jason Witt. Now that was very late notice uh, for Jason Witt. Um, and, and obviously a clear skill gap between the two fighters. Um, but, it, you know, listen, his last fight was a, a, a very quick, emphatic finish. So, you know, confidence-wise, momentum-wise, you know, it's, it's on the size, uh, on the side of uh, Takashi Sato here. Uh, I'm still going to go with Baeza, but I think it is a tough fight. I don't know how easy it is to look good against Sato. Uh, but again, Sato's not a ranked guy. He's, I, I, you know, I don't think he's going to be champ one day. You know, to put it, <laughs> you know, to put it mildly. But you know, I guess that'll tell us more about. I think this fight will tell us more about uh, Miguel Baeza and where he is as opposed to uh, uh, Sato. So yeah, we'll go uh, Miguel Baeza, and um, oh, we'll go knockout. We'll go knockout. He's a knockout guy. So we'll go third round knockout. Maybe it takes him a little bit of time. All right, moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. It's a heavyweight fight here between Josh Parisian and Parker Porter. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Bovada has uh, Parisian as the minus 205 favorite. Jesus Christ, my phone is very loud. Uh, yeah, this is... Words cannot express how disappointed I am that this is... A co-main event. These these two fighters, more so Parker Porter, because uh, fair enough, Josh Parisian. We'll see what he can do. But but the fact that Parker Porter is under roster with the UFC is embarrassing. The fact that he would be on a main card is doubly embarrassing. And the fact that he would be the co-main event is quintuply embarrassing. If that's even a fucking word. The, I can't, I cannot honestly believe, I hope I'm wrong, I hope I wake up tomorrow when the UFC on Twitter posts their little fucking fight day graphic of all the faces and, and you know, shows the card, I really hope this is, this is not the co-main event, because holy shit, this doesn't even belong, this belongs in LFA, I, I, I man, so, Josh Parisian, he is coming off of a first round finish here on the contender series. Uh, 
I, 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 don't, I don't really have anything to say about Parisian in, in, a, in a bad way. Just whatever. He's a heavyweight. We'll see what he can do. The UFC always needs heavyweights. I, I haven't been super impressed with him. The guy he beat, uh, Chad Johnson, uh, on the Contender Series, I think weighed in at like 215 pounds. So basically a middleweight. You know what I mean? If your walk-around weight is 215, you're, you're a middleweight. So a guy who comes in at, uh, at the limit. Josh Parisian comes in at the limit, so probably even cuts weight. So, I don't know, on, on fight night, maybe 275 pounds. So a guy who, who outweighs his opponent by 60 pounds took him down and mounted him and, and finished him. Okay, probably the least impressive thing you possibly could do. But fair play to Josh Parisian. It's not really his fault. I don't, I don't think he chose his opponent, so he, he didn't choose a middleweight to, to beat up on, but whatever. But Parker Porter, oh my God, 10 and 6, 35 years old. So, you know, pretty darn old to be coming into the UFC with an awful record. So a guy who's never going to do anything in the UFC. Uh, a guy who is uh, 6 feet tall but comes in at the limit. So a guy who doesn't care about his body. A guy who, who comes in with 60 pounds of fat in his stomach. You, you know what I mean? Just, just you know looking like Jiggly Boy from, from the Target Center, uh, and, and a guy who got brutally, brutally knocked out in his last fight. That's, well, there's a lot of bad things about Parker Porter and why he's in the UFC and, and everything about his fighting career, but on top of it all, a guy who got, in his UFC debut in August, got viciously, viciously knocked out by Chris Dawkins. I mean, knocked him out with a punch, and then as he was falling down, f- hit him with a knee. And uh, in real time, it didn't look bad, but when you look back on the replay, holy smokes, that was a bad knockout. Um, so why why this guy is in a co-main event, and, and whatever, maybe say I'm wrong, say, say, it's just a, say it's just the main card, still. Say it's the prelims, still. I mean, good God. The only cool thing about him is... Uh, Back in June of 2008, he got knocked out in 36 seconds by uh, Johnny Bones Jones at uh, WCF3. So that's interesting. That's cool. It's a fun storyline. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go Josh Parisian on this one because he seems to be an actual fighter. But uh, man, I, I just can't explain my disappointment with uh, those two being scheduled to fight each other in a co-main event slot. All right, now we finally made it here to the uh, new main event. Uh, it's a battle here between light heavyweights Anthony Lionheart Smith and Devin Clark. Smith is 33 and 16. Clark is 12 and 4. Uh, we'll look at the Bovada odds here. They'll have Anthony Smith as the minus 135 favorite. That is so depressing that a, a guy who fought John Jones for the title just let's see that would have been March of 2019 so just 20 months ago was fighting John Jones for the motherfucking light heavyweight title is a minus 135 favorite against Devin Clark so that's I would say oh the mighty have fallen but uh I, I, I don't know there's you you could look at uh, Lionheart Smith's career and uh, 
say he got really, really lucky. And that's, I don't want to just shit on the guy because he's on a losing streak. Um, but man, you, you really could say that this guy just was in the right place at the right time, you know, for every step of the way the last couple of years. And now it's kind of finally unraveling itself. So we'll take a look here at the uh, North Star Sports rankings. They'll have uh, Lionheart as the number seven light heavyweight. We do not have uh, Devin Clark ranked. Um, yeah, that's... So I guess what I mean by being in the right place at the right time here is... Um, and, and again, like... It's tough because we're grading him on a curve. <coughs> We're grading him on a curve of, you know, a guy who fought for the title. So it's not just, well, here's a guy who's in the UFC and we have no expectations. Then I would have nothing to say. But, uh, you know, very, very fortunate that uh, he gets signed back to the UFC. Uh, You know, beats a couple of no-names. Elvis, uh, Jesus, I'm not even going to pronounce that last name. Andrew Sanchez. Hector Lombard at the very end of his career knocks him out. Okay, very cool. Loses to Tiago Santos. Uh, I believe gets a short notice fight here with uh, Rashad Evans. Knocks out a uh, fucking 57-year-old Rashad Evans. Okay, right place right place in the right time with the right opponent. Rashad Evans would have... Rashad Evans would have mopped the floor with Lionheart Smith just, you know, three years before that. But at the very end of his career, been through many wars very big name because he was a former UFC champ and you managed to beat him okay weird stuff like that happens in this sport especially with guys who you know don't know when to retire like most UFC fighters um gets a main event against Shogun Hua and knocks him out okay Shogun should have retired six years ago and again big name fortuitous that uh I think Ozdemir fell out of that fight and, uh, you know, right place at the right time against uh, the, the biggest possible named opponent while being the worst possible opponent uh, to fight. Really, really, the win over Volkan Uzdemir is probably his best win, but he was getting fucking smoked in that fight and then managed to, to pull out the dub uh, late in the third by choking out uh, Uzdemir, who didn't really have a ground game at the time because that was right at the time where Uzdemir was just fucking flatlining Guys like Jimmy Manawa and fucking maybe Misha Serkinov too in like fucking 50 seconds. The loss to John Jones. Okay. You beat Alexander Gustafson and again, big name, but is Gus a good fighter? And I I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here, but if you look at Gustafson, it's something crazy. Like he's lost, I think his record since fighting John Jones for the title at UFC 165 in Toronto uh, in 2013. I think his record since then is something like 2-7. and seven. Now, it's all against very good fighters, but Gus is not exactly a guy who's been winning a lot of fights recently. Like, uh, lost to Verdum, Smith, Jones, Cormier, Johnson, you know, and, and then he has three wins sprinkled in there against Manoa, Blahovich, and Teixeira. Which, fuck, those last two wins actually have aged very well. Um, but again, like, okay. And then you you, you get absolutely mopped by, by Glover Teixeira. Your fucking teeth are falling out. And then the same thing happens with Rakic. Except it's a three-round fight. And, like, 
again, I understand that like everybody trains everything. So it's, you know what I mean? It's not like, uh, you know, Rakic never trained on the ground ever, but like Rakic is a kickboxer. He, he's, he's not a grappler and you just got grappled by him for, you know, 15 minutes. I mean, that's rather concerning. Um, and I don't know what to make of him because if he loses this fight you might as well cut him because I I don't I don't know what to do this is probably the best case scenario for Anthony Smith it's another main event that you didn't deserve and it's against a guy who's not even ranked so that's a very big the UFC has done him a very big favor here because I don't know what the UFC has for their rankings, nor do I give a shit, but we have them ranked at number seven, okay? So when you're ranked at number seven, so he let's say he was ranked at five. I think he was ranked at five, and then he loses, goes down to seven. Okay, when you're the number five guy in a division and you lose to somebody, you don't get to rebound against an unranked opponent. That's not how this works. For the integrity of the rankings... That's not how this works. We can't just get you a win. This is not boxing, okay? We, we, we can't have guys with records of 30-0 and 0 beating fucking nobodies, and then you lose a fight, and okay, time to win eight in a row. No, no, no. That's not how that works. So you should be fighting, and again, these guys might have fights locked up, but the point remains. Like, no, you, you should be fighting a Johnny Walker. You should be fighting a Misha Serkinov. You should be fighting Jimmy Crute, Magomed Ankalaev. Anybody from 8 to 12, that's who you need to be fighting. It's not, it's not, we just put you down against unranked guys. So, this is a huge, huge moment here for Devin Clark. Because if he wins, he's on the doorstep of the top five. Like, that's how, that's how North Star, North Star Sports rankings work. You beat the guy, you are the guy. You beat the number seven guy in the division, you're now the number seven guy in the division. With very few exceptions, very few. I don't. I don't think we've even used those exceptions ever. So, I'm still gonna favor Anthony Smith here. I don't feel great about it. Those odds are startling. And Devin Clark has had a a, a couple of nice fights here in 2020. So this is a guy is a guy who's probably 500 in the UFC. He's been in the UFC since he was very young too. He came in at five and zero. Now he has a loss to Blahovich, to Rakic, and to Ryan Span. Okay, Rakic right now is number four. Ryan Span is number thirteen, and Jan Blahovich is the champion. So, although his record when it comes to green and red looks pretty even you look at the guys he's lost to I mean they're all pretty fucking good man they're all pretty fucking except for Alex Nicholson that is a weird one Alex Nicholson is really bad I mean you could find low light knockout tapes of Alex Nicholson on YouTube and he gets knocked out in the most spectacular fashion imaginable but this this is not an easy fight it really, it really isn't. You have a guy who's been fucking 10 aided for like, I don't know, the last fucking, <laughs> the last like eight rounds of his, of his fucking career. 
and you have a guy who's on a two-fight winning streak, and a guy who who uh, had a really good performance against Alonzo Menafield, who was undefeated at the time, very dangerous, crazy power. Uh, and now, now Clark did get hurt. He did get hurt, but he just he he implemented a smart smart grappling game. Uh, I think he took the the fight uh, to the fence uh, when he needed to, and uh, I was I was very impressed. Now, Menafield doesn't have a gas tank, so that also helps. Uh, as well but man I mean big opportunity here for for Devin Clark again I don't know I'm gonna go with Anthony Smith I just don't feel good about it and I know everything everything would point to Smith losing and Devin Clark winning but I just don't feel it I I don't know why it's not I, I can't even really explain it I think Anthony Smith is probably just the more talented fighter, and I'm just going to side with that, but this is a really big swing fight either way. All right, so with that, uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. So uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. Uh, you could follow uh, the mailman on Twitter at Owen the Mailman. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. Uh, updated uh, UFC rankings, main card showdown rankings, and just you know every stat you possibly could find on the main card showdown is on there. We got our picks on there. Uh, you know all of our all of our podcasts and links are on there. So it's just a killer website. And and and, and most importantly, no auto plays on there. Okay, you, you you go to CBS Sports, you go to ESPN. And fucking autoplay, autoplaying videos. You you don't consent to it, but they still do it. And you, you know what I mean. You you gotta click on our podcasts for them to play. So you know that's another huge plus from our our website, which is just superior to uh, any other sports website out there. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.